I am a full-on M. Night Shyamalan advocate. I've literally found something I've loved in all of his work, no matter what anybody else really has to say. I think the only thing I really have not liked may be The Village, but The Village is still a really good movie in my eyes. Like, I think M. Night Shyamalan has a really interesting writing style that I appreciate. I think he has really interesting storytelling like techniques that I find very enjoyable. And I know a lot of people don't because he gets a lot of flack over the years, especially for a lot of his more not so beloved film attempts, you know, <laughs> Airlines Airbender. But I still love them. You know, I still find appreciation for them because like I said, I just I love the stuff that he does. And I'm not saying everything, you know, I'm not saying everything. Like, I can still find enjoyment in The Last Airbender, but I'm not going to say anything about The Happening. The Happening is a really, really bad movie, and, you know, you can't win them all. But he never gives up, and he still is doing really good storytelling if you kind of give it a chance. Like, what he was doing with the trilogy between Unbreakable, Split, and Glass, like that whole trilogy... That's fantastic. And he wrote all of that from scratch. That has no source material. That's all his own ideas. And he wrote it enough where he just said, that's it. That's all I really want. This isn't going to be a built-up universe. I'm not trying to build an MCU or a DCU. I'm just making these three movies. It's going to end like this, and you're going to do with it what you can. I don't think he's going to make a fourth one at all, which is kind of upsetting. But I can also understand that because, you know, creatively, you want to move on. Just like everybody wants Christopher Nolan to write another Batman movie. Never going to happen. It's never going to happen. He's moved on. And Mike Shyamalan's moved on. But he's moved on to really good things. Now, the one thing you got to say is that I think this is one of the first, if not maybe one of the few movies that he actually hasn't written. It's not just his screenplay. He just kind of was part of the team that wrote the screenplay for this movie that's based on a novel. So the movie's called Knock at the Cabin. And it's based on a book called The Cabin at the End of the World by Paul Tremblay. Now, Paul Tremblay is somebody that I've never heard of before. Uh, this is one of the two books that he's the most well-known for, I guess, in, say, the horror novel and fiction kind of realm. Um, there was The Cabin at the End of the World and another one called A Head Full of Ghosts. That sounds pretty interesting from what I read about it, and I also read that there is, there is talks um, of a movie adaptation of that, but nothing's really been done since like 2016 except for the director's been chosen. And it was the same director who also did another really big time uh, Netflix film, um, I Am the Pretty Thing That Lives in the House. So that director was also supposed to do A Head Full of Ghosts, but it's been like six years, so I don't know if that's happening. Because if this took that long, I don't know how long it took to make Knock at the Cabin. But it's taking too long to make Head Full of Ghosts, so this might be the only time you really see this author. Which is upsetting, because this is a really, really good story. And it's not M. Night's, but it's still directed by M. Night, and it's directed with his style, and it's just tremendous. This whole story is just tremendous. I love everything about it from start to finish. It is such, it is such an interesting... I don't want to say, like, perspective. It's just an interesting view of just something that's very unique in a way. So for, and I'm going to spoil a lot of it just because I have to kind of talk about the, the obvious M. Night twist, but it's not even an M. Night twist. It's the it's more than likely from the actual story, and it's just fitting for what it is you kind of view throughout the movie. So the movie starts out, uh, this gay couple and their adopted daughter go to a cabin and they're trying to like have a nice little getaway. 
they are sort of bombarded by these four people who kidnapped them. But not really. They just kind of tie them up and they say, you must choose one of you to die uh, as a sacrifice uh, so the, the world doesn't end. And they go into this whole spiel about how they were given all these visions. They were all given the, the same visions and they were meant to kind of meet and they were meant to be here on this day to find you so you could make a really tough decision and you must kill one of you in order to save the world. And of course they don't believe them because who would? Four random people show up to your 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 weekend getaway and say one of you have to die or the world's going to blow up. Like, no, you would not believe that if it first happened. So you get that sort of thing. And then it leads into them trying to prove their point. But then what happens is as certain kind of points in time start happening, they start killing each other. Like in front of this gay couple and their daughter. So uh, it's got Dave Bautista as one of the characters. It's got the dude who played uh, Ron Weasley from uh, Harry Potter. I don't remember his name offhand. Uh, two other actresses that I recognize from other things. I just don't know their names. And the four of them are sitting there trying to tell him the story. And it's mostly told from Dave, ba- Dave Bautista's angle. And what I like about what Bautista's been doing is he's been drawing himself away from just being an action star. This is a very serious role for him, and all it is is just him as a big dude who is kind of overbearing in this in this kind of scenario that you put him in. This this place where this family is very much scared. Having this big overbearing character that's just talking very soft and very sweetly to you, it's it, it's it's a play on you know making you feel uncomfortable in more ways than one because it's how he's portraying what he's saying as very mundane while also being Batista and being a giant. So he's very overpowering when it comes to that scene. Uh, when it comes to any scene that he's kind of just talking in there, trying to explain to them what's happening. So one by one, every few hours, they're killing one of them off to kind of prove their point to this 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 gay couple and trying to let them know that one of them must be the sacrifice and they're trying to convince them and you sort of see one of them swaying a little bit but the other one like is trying to like bring him back and have him understand that these people are crazy but then they start putting on the news and they start showing that like yeah shit's really happening like look planes are falling out of the sky things are erupting Things are catching on fire. There's lightning spewing from the sky. This is the end of the world. One of you must die in order for it to not happen. And they're still in denial about it. You know, the one husband is still very much in denial about the idea, while the other one is kind of leaning more towards it and starting to understand more that they they might be telling the truth. Why would they not be telling the truth? They might 100% be telling the truth. But the other husband just won't let himself come to that conclusion because, you know, they're in love, they have this family, this was this was not something they were, I guess, prepared for. So he's in full denial of the whole thing. And it eventually leads all the way down where you really see that the world is ending around them. Like, it's not even like it's isolated to things that are on the television. You walk outside the cabin and the sky is black and the trees are on fire and he's still sort of not understanding that this is real until by the end of it all, everyone's killed themselves including Batista, and they're just sitting there by themselves thinking about what to do next because the world's on fire. And the one husband who's been convinced so far has this whole speech and this whole monologue about how they were all they were sent there to show them these things. And the whole twist is that even though they were humans, they were equally shown this vision because of the idea that the apocalypse is coming. These were the four horsemen of the apocalypse. 
Now, I know a lot of people who maybe caught that at the very beginning of the movie. I didn't. So when that thing hit, it shocked me. I was like, wow, I didn't put that together. Never, never in a million years would I have put that together. I haven't thought about the the horsemen of the apocalypse since they had that string of the storyline of the of the horsemen in the supernatural show which was many seasons ago and that i think is so far the second entry in a row that i've had a supernatural reference which is hilarious but it's true when was the last time you thought about anything horsemen of the apocalypse orientated you know maybe if like i went on to my playstation and i saw that all like the free games i get with my playstation plus membership i could see the dark sider series the dark sider series is about the four horsemen but I haven't played those games in years. I would have never have thought it. And I know a lot of people caught it at the very beginning. And, you know, good good for you guys. I'm glad that you had that sort of attentiveness. I was just so into what was happening that I couldn't bring myself to come to a conclusion. I wanted to kind of watch it as it progressed. And it did not disappoint me. I thought that twist was amazing. And it made me appreciate the entire rest of that film leading up to that point. Truthfully... Even though it's not just a full-on M. Night movie, it still just shows that he has the chops to kind of do good storytelling and do these movies that are just really, really good. The last one that he did that I think was just his and he wrote it and everything was uh, Old. And I believe I did an entry on Old. If not, I'm probably going to. I might even just do a fucking full-on M. Night Shyamalan tribute entry because... I love him, and I think he is a great director. I think he's a great writer. And this is just kind of another really good uh, positive mark on his report card for me when it comes to his work and his body of work. And Night at the Cabin is just... Not Night at the Cabin. Knock at the Cabin. I don't know why I said Night at the Cabin. Maybe because I keep saying M. Night Shyamalan. Yeah, what are you going to do? 